So what shall we say to this? It was a great introduction, but for me, it's just coming home, uh, being back with the family in Southport, which is every time really good. And I was just thinking as Pam was being, bringing the, the information, and then, uh, you know, sometimes you can read in like church bulletins and what's coming up next week, and that, there's a lot of information. And uh, was one time there was some information about um, the Saturday evening meetings where the theme was, where is hell, or what is hell? And then with small letters, come early and hear a church choir practice. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I know. And then one theme was like, um, uh, come and hear about Jesus walking on the water. And then the evening meeting was, where is Jesus? So, uh, okay, I'm just trying to be, but I will not try anymore, you know. <laughs> I hope you're still okay with my, British, my English. It is still better than your Norwegian. So, um, so today I've been given uh, a task. I've, I've been asked to talk about the, one of the Ephesians 4 uh, gifts mentioned in, in Ephesians 4, of course, and that is the gift of um, the evangelist. So I will, I will be obedient and I will share about, not just in general, because you will find as evangelists as we different like we are, uh, we can work in different ways, but... Um, but evangelist is one of the gifts uh, mentioned in the Bible, given to the church. So if I'm an evangelist, the gift does not belong to me. I just want to say that. I'm just a uh, uh, Norwegian. You say something else about me, but I will not comment you then. But, I, uh, I, um, so, but we are all different, but then God can use us. And we should be, because we had been given some God limitations, because you need me, and I need you, and together we can serve Christ. And um, so, but for me, it started, uh, I grew up in a Christian home in Norway, a Lutheran home. My parents were very active in a Lutheran church, like similar to the Anglican church, I believe. But when I turned 12, 13 years, for me, that was nothing. I, it was just boring, and I just said, God, I'm not so interested in this, so I, I, uh, I just want to live my own life. But I do believe, all from the Bible in Ecclesiastes 3.11, saying that God puts eternity, a longing after eternity, into every human being. That means there is a space in every human being who is longing for their origin, who is longing for God. Maybe they don't know that. I didn't know that. But I had this longing after something. And I was trying to find that something. And I believe every human being is on a spiritual journey. Uh, and I do believe some of you guys are here, and you still are on a spiritual journey, but I felt God saying this to you today, that journey, no, is ended, and from today, you will start a new journey with Christ on the inside, been filling that space that you have been looking for something else to fill, but Christ himself will come to you today, and he will fill that space on the inside if you let him. Because he has given you a free will, which is a fantastic gift. My prayer for you is today that you will use that free will to go to Christ and say, Christ, 
I surrender to you. I want you to come into my life. I want you to forgive me my sins. I know you died on the cross. You took my death penalty upon yourself, and you died on that cross in my place. And know, I know you are alive, and I want to be alive with you on the inside so that when God sees you, he will see you through the cross, and he will see you as holy as Jesus is because he has taken all your sins upon himself. So I just, we are just after the meeting today, I would love to pray for you, or we will pray for you, but it's your decision, but my prayer is, use your free will and understand that the journey with Christ on the inside is so totally different from your journey with Christ on the outside. So this is for you a fantastic day. But I grew up, and I was in this spiritual journey, and very early on, I really, I, I was playing with things that I shouldn't play with. I came into some occult thing, and I, I experienced very early that there was a spiritual world out there. And I was following that, and what happened to me is, all my joy disappeared. I started to be really uh, depressed. I was in a really dark place, and it got darker and darker and darker. And the thing with darkness, you cannot define darkness. But light, you can, even, you can even measure. But darkness means it's just the absence of light. So after a couple of years when I was in that dark place, and I was not even, I was thinking, oh, is it worth it? What is life? What do I live for? But then there was this space on the inside, crying out for God. And then I came to a place after meeting, met my wife, Shasti. She is beautiful, and you know how God can use whatever he wants to use, but he used my wife. I met her, and I knew she was a Christian, and I knew she was my wife. The problem was she didn't knew. <laughs> but on the end, she did, so she is so beautiful, and then she had a good taste, so <laughs> just want to say. But then I received Christ. It was not a lot of emotions, but I became a born again. I still had the same body. Some of my personality was still there, but the spirit in me was new. It was holy. It was clean. It was Christ in me. And then I really realized that what I've been searching for all these years, suddenly, that life of Christ by the Holy Spirit was living inside of me. We was not part of a church. We didn't know many Christians. But I was desperate for the Holy Spirit. I was desperate to see signs and wonders and miracles because I started to read the scripture and nobody told me you, you shouldn't believe everything you were reading. I did. I believed everything. And I started to do the stuff. And it was fantastic because it was working. I saw so many healings, I saw miracles, I saw people being given up by doctors and just praying for them and they canceled the operation, they couldn't find more cancer, people with uh, been giving weeks to live with brain cancer, suddenly I prayed for them, I saw them on the street and I could see kind of an x-ray over the brain and I just went to them and said, do you have something wrong with your head, is something wrong with you, do you have cancer, yes, no you don't, a lot of things. And it was amazing, fantastic. And I was, wow, and my wife was home nearly crying out, what's going on with my husband? Because I did a lot of stupid things. 
So what I was doing, after a while, I realized that Jesus said, if you follow me, or these signs will follow those who believe. And if I follow Christ, something will follow me. But I started to follow the signs. And after a couple of years, we was moving to the eastern part of Norway. We was in the church, and I was playing the piano in a worship team. My wife was leading the worship, and she was having a great time, and I was sitting there, and I felt so empty on the inside. I just felt there was something wrong with my faith. Where is Jesus? Where is God? And suddenly I realized that I was basing my Christian life upon the signs and the wonders and the miracles and the manifestations, not on the person beyond the manifestations. And I don't know about you, but if you are living your life led by your feelings, emotions, that is dangerous for you because this is where the enemy is operating. The only one way we can live to be successful following Christ is to live by the Spirit, not by flesh, not by emotions. Emotions and feelings can be fantastic, but you can never trust them totally. But you can trust Christ, the Holy Spirit in you. So I started to realize that, uh, that I really need to follow Christ. I didn't see people saved. But I did see a lot of miracles, signs and wonders. And it was fantastic that those things was happening. But if nothing was happening, I started to doubt. Until I came to that moment where I realized I need to repent from this. And I said, Jesus, I want to repent. Because what happened to me, there was a lot of people. There was a lot of requests. You need to come here. You need to come there. Because I was this super duper Christian, seeing all these things happening. I started to be proud. And you know what happened to pride people? That happened to me. I was standing before God and suddenly I realized I didn't have anything. And I just repented. And repentance is a good thing. It's not just one, one thing you do once. No, 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 no. You have to live in repentance every day. And I realized, Jesus, forgive me. I gave my life to you, not to the things. I'm giving my life to you 100%, totally 100%. And if nothing's really happening, I still give my life to you. The strongest part of the cross is this part. If you don't have this part, you don't have this part. First of all, we are called to Christ. Then we are called to each other and to the world. And I realized that. And I was thinking, but I'm still alone. And my wife was, was praying to God to find a spiritual home. Um, because I, I was not there as, as a dad, as a, as a husband, as, as a priest in my house. Um, but I repented. And when you repent, new grace is coming. Have you thought of that, that God gives you grace every day, like he has given you 24 hours? If you mess it up, you will get new 24 hours. It's fantastic, isn't it? And it's a lot of new beginnings. So I came to the place and I said, Father, forgive me. And, um, and I started to pray. We started to pray to find a spiritual home. And as I was praying, something strange happened to me because I was started to think about um, um, to be a part of an apostolic 
a work. I didn't have a clue about the apostles. I knew the one that was, the, those I was reading of in the Bible. But there was this inside of me, a growing desire to be a part of an apostolic work. And, and I didn't know what it meant, but that was my prayer more and more. Father, I want you to put me in a setting, in a fellowship with different uh, people who are serving you into this apostolic uh, uh, work. And, um, and what happened, I started to read in, uh, in, uh, about the first church in Acts 2. And it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and to prayer. There was something the first church did. They devoted themselves. They gave themselves to the teaching of the prophets and apostles. And I realized there must be apostles and prophets today. And I also knew they are not the superheroes. They are normal people, but they have a gift from Christ himself, a gift so that I can hear and that I can receive and that will help me and give me a, a bigger revelation about Christ and this was things that was just growing inside of me as I was praying. And then there was a church in Bergen praying that God should send an evangelist into the church. And here, my, me and my wife and my family, we were praying to find a spiritual home. I didn't know I was an evangelist. I'd never been occupied by titles. The greatest title you can have is to be a brother or a sister. We are all equal before God. But I need to know what God has called me to do, and I need to steward that well, because that's what I am responsible for before the Lord. And for you, you are only responsible for what God has given you. So what has he given you? If you are here today, you are not born again, well, he had given you a new life, and it's your responsibility to using your free will to receive that gift. When you do, he will do what only he can do give you a new life so that you can be born again. Amen? So I started to read this. And then when we came back to Bergen, I, I was starting to work as an engineer in the oil industry. And then, um, and then we, we met some people there, and I was talk, talking to them, three people that we met. We didn't know somebody there, but we started talking to these Three people who were Christians, and, and I said, so who do you know? Can we meet your friends? Can we meet your family? And people started to come to our house. We went into different people's houses. People started to be saved. One there, one there, and they knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody. And suddenly the house was packed with newborn Christians, and we didn't have a clue what to do. It was chaos, like day of Pentecost. But God is in that chaos. The Holy Spirit was there, and it was just fantastic. And we saw so many people saved, not just the hand, not just the prayer, but we saw the rest of the body coming in, being baptized, being baptized and filled with the Spirit, and added this chaotic church, if you like. And it was fantastic. And then we went to the church in Bergen. We heard about one church, and we, we, in August 1995, we joined the church, and then suddenly, I just heard the spirit of the, of the voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, "You are home. You are home." And I realized, and I looked at my wife and I said, "We are home." And then I started to know the man who was leading the church. His name was Newolf Askeland. Some of you know him. 
he was done an apostolic ministry into uh, churches in Norway, working close to Kerry and, and Bryn and, and, uh, and uh, Tony, yeah, Tony Ling. And I find myself suddenly in a company of different Ephesians for giftings. And for me, I thank God that day that God have saved me for my own ministry. It's not my ministry. It's not all about me. No, it's all about you, Jesus. And all this is for you, not for me. And suddenly I realized there was something I started to see as I was being affected by the teaching of the prophets and apostles. I started to see the body of Christ. I started to dream about the body of Christ. I could see the body of Christ, the church. I could see them moving around in their everyday life when they went to work, when they went to, into the neighborhood, into the family. I saw the, the, the church of Christ laying hands on the sick and heal them. I, I, I couldn't see individuals. I just saw the church, the body of Christ with different parts, but every part was connected in through with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus was the head. And I saw the same thing happening with that church, that body of Christ, as I was reading about Jesus himself as he was walking around the earth. I saw this body being anointed by the Holy Spirit and power, and they were standing together like glue. You couldn't separate one part from the other because they were so binded together based on that Christ was always in the center like a big wheel, like he was in the center. And as closer we come to him, the closer we came to each other. And it was just burning inside of me. And then God called me, and then he said, I want you to be an evangelist to equip the body of Christ. And I didn't have a clue what it meant, but I said, yes, Lord, I will. Because I was so fed up by myself and my ministry. And I really wanted to serve him and the ministry he wanted to give to the church. And before him, I was just humble. And, uh, and then I asked God, How, what shall I do then? How can I equip your body of Christ? And, and I was reading in Ephesians, like, uh, uh, so he said, uh, so he gave gifts to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Uh, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church. So I knew it is to build up people. It must be to encourage people. It is not just telling them what to do and then leave. No, 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 no. It is to have something from the Holy Spirit that create faith that you can believe that I can do this. And that started to be my prayer. Not that, that you should do what I tell you to do. Because I know there are evangelists coming in and they can give the elders and leaders a hard time. Just do this and then they leave. And then you leave it with chaos. But that's not how we are working. That's not, I could never work like that. I realized that the church was God's idea. Jesus wanted to use his church, his body. So I was praying, and as I was praying, I found the Holy Spirit go, gave me some simple things so that I could do, first of all, so I could walk the talk, because that's a part of the equipping, isn't it? And I realized I need to face what he wants you to face. I want to go through what you want to go through. So that I cannot just tell you what to do, but I can identify with you. Because I've been there. And not necessarily being successful, but I've been there. I know what it is to have four daughters, to have my own company, and still serving God and travel. I know it's hard work. 
and I thank you for all the hard work you are doing, but, but I realize that then I'm even better to equip because we are there together and I know what it is. Because life is hard and life can be busy and there are a lot of things to do. But I wanted to equip the church. Amen. And, and then I really saw the church and then I understand if every part of this church knows somebody who is a man of peace, if you read Luke 10 and Matthew 10, everyone in the, in the church knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who is open and positive. I felt God said, that's your harvest. Help people, help my church to realize that they are already in touch with the harvest. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, not will be plentiful, not was plentiful, but he's saying about saltport, the harvest is plentiful. So when he's saying that, that means there's nothing wrong with the harvest. But then he said, but the workers of you, ask then the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. That's my prayer. Because we are all here harvest workers. And we are all here because Jesus is saying to us, if you follow me, I will teach you how to catch people for Christ. None of us are born a fisher of man. He will make us to, if you follow. And that's your calling. And that's my prayer, that you should get to know the fisher of man in you, the authentic you, the best version of you. Evangelist is just mentioned three times in the Bible. But the body of Christ is mentioned a lot of places. And how Jesus will use his church. Amen. So I said, the way I'm working, and you will find some evangelists, they will have campaigns. Fantastic. They will be in the street with teams. Fantastic. We need to use all kinds of different things to reach all kinds of different people. I don't know how many people in the world today. Eight billions, maybe. That means there are eight billion ways to Christ. You had your way, I had my way, but there is only one way to God. Jesus Christ. I am the way. I am truth. And I am life. And if you are here today, if you want to live... I mean live with capital L and know the truth. You have to give your life to Jesus Christ. And I believe that's why you came today. Hmm? So I started to I started to pray. I started to when I came into church, I realized when I come into a church, when I came to Salford the first time, I submitted under the leadership in a church. Because I really respect the church of Christ, the body of Christ. I do believe that we all want the same. Because in the beginning, when I came into this apostolic work in Norway, I was sitting there in this team gathering, and I was thinking, what on earth are we talking about? They didn't talk about reaching out. It was just something with churches, some trainings. And I was thinking, what's going on? And God spoke to me and said, Arne, I will not allow you to value, to, to see people through your own gifting. You need to humble yourself because you all want the same thing, but it's just different giftings, and then you need to find a way how to flow together. And he said, I will not allow you to come in with frustration because frustration is leaking. 
And there is something you don't need from me. It's for you to feel bad or guilty or feeling shame because you are not preaching the gospel, because you already feel that before I came in. And I want to release you from that now, right now, in the name of Christ. I release you from feeling guilty. I release you from feeling bad. I'm releasing you for trying to be somebody that you may not are. But what you can do, you can do. You can sow a seed. You can bless somebody. And if we are working together, you certainly will find yourself sharing the gospel in your way. In the way that you can do. And then when you do, remember Jesus said, if you, those who listen to you is listening to me. If they receive you, he, you, they will receive me. And then you know the Holy Spirit as the evangelist is in you, that, that is filling you. And he is the one that convinces you, you that's not your job. So you know what's your role, and you know what's his role. And you are in peace. But guilt and shame or feeling I have to, I should, I have to, that is not from God. But we can be challenged, but then we just pray for each other and we help each other. So I come into a church and I wanted to submit myself to the leadership and say, how can we serve together? How can we, how can we help together? Where is the church right now? Because when Jesus came to the disciples, he came to them where they were at. He knew everything about them and he didn't tell them to change. No, he said, you just follow me day by day and I will change you. If you follow me day by day, you will be more like me. By the Holy Spirit, we will be more and more like him. And even in the Great Commission, it doesn't start with you and me, it starts with him. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, and because of that, I'm sending you. And then he tells us what to do, and then he saying, and be sure of this, don't forget this, don't forget this. I am, the I am is with you every day, not just next week, but every day until the ends of earth. He is with you every day. How about the Holy Spirit? So at least you were always before. It's you and then you have the Son and the Father and the Holy Spirit. So my, 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 my prayer was to be, how can I find a church? What can I do? Where are they? How can I help? And I started to share simple things that God has been giving me. And also I wanted to show, so I started to say, how can I meet your friends? What can we do together? And we started to see people saved. I remember one of the first churches I came into was the Living Rock with David Lyon down in Stony Stanton. And, and, and for a couple of weeks in the beginning, we saw people out of the church every day. It was five or six or seven. I'm not into numbers, but I'm, not into, I'm into peoples, people that Jesus loves. I don't come back with reports of 20 people say, well, maybe some of them would say, we don't know, but we are called to make disciples, to build friendship and to walk along with them and help them and see them receiving Christ and also to be a part of the body of Christ, serving him together in the family with brothers and sisters. So I find that evangelism is relational. It's not the kind of a, something that we shall, we shall do. Uh, and I had to walk the talk. I had to walk together with brothers and sisters because reaching out there to live out the Great Commission is we are just in the middle of a warfare. We are not called to fight against the devil. We are called to stand firm, to have our roots in Christ because the most important part of a tree in a storm is not the part you see, it's the part you don't see. It's the roots. 
And if you have strong roots, it's not even roots in Christ, but also in each other's roots. So it's just knitted together like that, so that we will be so strong when the pressure is coming from outside. But my calling is to tell you also, never forget that the Holy Spirit is also the evangelist, and he lives in you, and let him fill you every day. Don't have any private room. Day in the Pentecost, he filled the whole house. Every room was filled by the Holy Spirit. And don't have any private room allowing to fill you. And what will happen to you when he fills you? Suddenly, you will start to look at people and God poured out his love in your heart by the Holy Spirit. Romans 5.5. 5. And that love in your heart is that kind of John 3.16 love. For so God loved Saltport that he gave his son and he's still giving his son through you and me. And I haven't even mentioned evangelism. But this is a life in the Holy Spirit. This is a life when you have seen Christ and you have seen what he has done for you and you can see the grace of God and you know that your identity is not based on yourself and all the things you can't do or can do, but your identity is in Christ. We are hidden in Christ. And in Luke 19, 10, Jesus came to seek what was lost. And when we live this life full of the Holy Spirit, not based that we should, we should do everything you know, in a perfect way. No, 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 no. But we are just obedient to the Holy Spirit. And then suddenly you find yourself that Christ himself in you is starting to seek what is lost. So that he can save, but the words, the voice he will use is yours. The hands he will use is yours. The feet that he will use is yours, and you will be his love in flesh and blood towards people and so forth. Yeah, but on, I find it hard to love people. If you mean love by emotional thing, I can understand. But love towards Christ is, Jesus said, if you love me, you will do what I tell you to do. And I'm so thankful for that because I am not just a very emotional guy. I can feel the love of God. Or if I don't feel it, what's wrong? No, 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 no. I know because I've seen the cross. I know he loves me. But I, I, I find it so good because my feelings can be ups and downs. I can have a bad day or I have a good day. But I can always be obedient and do what Jesus told me to do. That's my love letter to Jesus. Not even if it's perfect. God, can, God have used me many times, even when I messed it up. And you will be blessed if I told you a lot of stories, but I will not. So for me, it is very important as an evangelist to take you to the Word and to the promises. Because I don't know, but have you never thought, have you thought about why the promises is in the Bible? There is a lot of promises when it comes to reaching out and to, and to, to live in the Holy Spirit. Why do you think Jesus told the disciples, and he said, harvest is plentiful? If that was obvious for the disciples, he didn't have to tell. He knew that they, was, they would be in situations where it was just, they didn't look like nothing was really ripe at all. So then you need to make a choice. What is the most real thing? Is it what I face in the natural, or is it what God is saying? I, one of the hardest fights, uh, fires to stop, I've been working as a firefighter and, and fire engineer, and one of the hardest fires to stop is the forest fire. Because wh when you come there and you're going to stop that, it's all kind of sound, it's a lot of chaos. 
but you fight it, and then after a while, you don't see any flames, no flames at all, and after a while, you stop it, and then you take your equipment and you leave. A couple of days later, the coal inside is still burning. Because if you only look at a natural, it can look like everything is okay. But under the surface, there are embers. And the only thing that is needed is, and then suddenly, I believe in salt Maybe you look in your neighborhood. Maybe you look on places you have been sharing or working so hard. Maybe you're looking in your working place. And as in the natural, you don't see anything. But I tell you, under the surface, there are embers, seeds you have been sowing, words you shared, prayer you prayed. And then the Holy Spirit is coming. And then he goes, You have to see, also not just in the natural. The Holy Spirit help us when you meet these big mountains. He will lift you up and he will place you and set you on the top of the mountain. That's our position. That should be our point of view. And it is the same mountain, but it's a huge difference from standing at the foot of the mountain and look up, or if you're standing at the top of the mountain and you look down. But that's us, the kingdom people the body of Christ, who is living out the Great Commission. Isn't it fantastic to be a part of a heavenly mission, to be a part of something, a work from God, that we are going to work, cooperate together with the Holy Spirit. I don't understand why God himself have included us in his plans, but I love it. I love it. I have seen so many things, and the most amazing guy ever to meet to see how God and God did miracles, signs and wonders, or when God hoped to help people, and, and the, all the Christian I met in China, the underground church in China and Vietnam, and I could see them, they were suffering. But in the suffering, the Holy Spirit felt them with the power of God, and you cannot stop that kind of church. It's like a mighty river. You stop it, but it will just find new ways. And I felt God said to me, this is what you have to do. You need to bring my word. You need to help my church. You need to help my people to speak faith, to tell them who they are in the Holy Spirit. So I do a lot of teaching about the Holy Spirit. I'm not just to how to do that. I just want to speak principles out from the word so that you can do it your way. We don't want blue copies. We, want to, we don't want to have a uniform church wearing the same uniform. We want creativity. We want you to be you, but free in the Holy Spirit, but bind it together with brothers and sisters. And in that church, nobody can take your place. If you don't take your place, the church, the body is suffering. No, well, if, if I don't do that, somebody else will. No. I'm sorry if I'm getting a little bit enthusiastic here, but, I, but this is something that I see in my heart. This is something God has revealed for me. And I strongly believe in you. I believe if I can only help you to believe in what God has called you and not living a life outside of the church, but be a part of the body of Christ, you will be happy. You will be in peace. You, will don't, you stop comparing yourself with others. You are the best people. You are the best person in the world to be you. And the body else is taken anyway, so just be you. But be the best version of you. Be the authentic you. Like you can read in Ephesians 2.10. 
It says that you was created in his image. He was the model. Who are you then that can say I'm not so happy with myself? But he also see you full of the Holy Spirit. And for me, that is something I can't stop sharing about that. Because I have seen so many people really understand why the baptism, what the baptism in the Holy Spirit, what this was all about. Even Christ himself, he became a man. He, he was limited in a body. Jesus from Nazareth, even him, in everything he did when he was walking around, was not in the power of being the Son of God. I know he was without sin. We are not. But through him, we are. But even him came to a point when he was baptized in, in the River Jordan, and then heaven opened and the Holy Spirit came upon him and filled him and led him out in the desert. And Jesus said, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Everything Jesus did, everything he did when he was working, all the suffering, all the healings, all the miracles, all the things he did was in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying, follow me, read in the Gospels and follow him and do the same thing as he did. Be Christ in this world. He's the head. We are the body and the Holy Spirit is the power who binds the head together with the body and then it's, um, it's moving us. We are a movement and we are moved by the Holy Spirit. It is a process, not a program. It's principles, not style. And everything that you create a distance from where you are today and what you believe God has called you to do, get rid of it. Because the only day you can serve Jesus, the only day you can live for him, the only day you can live for, for Christ and, and live out the Great Commission is today. I am with you not every week. No, 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 no. I am with you every day. I am now turning 66 in March. Thank you. But you know what? I realized suddenly I never, ever skipped a single day. I had to live every day to become so old, young, I mean, sorry. And your life is just one day at a time. If you always focus on what you are going to do next week, it steals your energy from today. Or maybe a lot of Christians lived in the past. Do you remember the revival that we have in Southport, like in, in the 80s? Well, praise God for all his goodness and all the good things he did, but you cannot survive with food who were prepared for 20 years ago. Today is the day of salvation. Today, God has prepared for us to work in some good deeds. Ephesians 2.10. Today. Thank you, God, that you made it so simple for me. I can deal with today. A one-week planning, I'm not sure. One more. I'm okay to paint a big picture, but if you don't have an everyday revelation, you will fall. You need both. You need to see where we are going, and you need to look down so you don't fall. Amen. And then I was 
You know, God said, oh, now I want you to write the book. And I said, no. It's like arguing with my wife. I know she's right, but I have to argue, you know. But he said, because I don't like writing. And he said, you are going to write the principles that I've been giving you, the things, the simple things I've been giving you, because I will use that for my body so that they can read it, and by my spirit, I will reveal for them and that they can start doing it. And I said, Father, I will do it. If they can believe, if I can do anything that can be helping other people, all the Christians, to believe that I can actually do this, I can actually pray for the sick, and I can still be myself. Actually, I can share Jesus with people using my voice, uh, and even not being a greatest preacher. I'm not the greatest preacher, but I don't care. I know the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He's not looking for perfect people. Only one is perfect. My wife. No, I mean Jesus. <laughs> and then I started to write. And he said, keep it simple. Don't thick books. People don't read thick books. And I did. And then I <coughs> put together... <coughs> Excuse me. And then I was contacting Youth with a Mission in Norway, which is the biggest Christian publisher. And then I said, yeah, we believe, we believe in this. We will give it out, but don't expect it to sell because evangelism doesn't sell. So I did. Call it, thank God, it's Monday. Sunday is good. That's family gathering. But what about the Mondays and the Tuesdays? I always look forward to Monday. Then I can take all the things I've heard on Sunday and it can let me flesh and blood. Let the word go through us. It's not what you read, it's how we live. What we are reading and hearing. So I did, and suddenly that book was the bestseller Christian book in Norway for three years. And it's about evangelism, or is it? Maybe it's just about the life in the Holy Spirit, the life in the church. And now it's translated to seven languages. And it's just living in its own life. And reports is coming back. We started to read. We started to do this. And then it's working. But we can do it our way. Fantastic. And that's the best thing that can happen to me. I love seeing things, God doing things when I'm here. But the best reports I can have is what's happening when I'm not here. If you can believe that you can do this, if you can believe that you can share Jesus, if you can believe that you make a difference for somebody else, I am happy and I'm thanking God because then I'm successful and you are successful. Because coming into a church, I'm touching the most precious thing, the body of Christ. And if I can help you in any way, I will love you. And I think that's how the Ephesians four ministries is working together. Because I know when I came in, I was working not just with evangelists. I, I wanted to work with the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the shepherds, and all the different gifts. So that was broadened my way of thinking. I suddenly realized more how it is to be an elder in a church, how the apostles is working. How can I help in a way so that I can encourage people? And in my evangelistic gifting, I suddenly started to have an apostolic uh, understanding. Not that I'm an apostle in any way, by any way, but it helped me in the equipping part. And in Norway, we will meet in this apostolic team. We will meet every second month. And most of the time, we will pray and we will ask God about family. We will share life together. We live a transparent life so that we can just speak into our lives, which, which we really need. 
We don't want to be isolated from the church. No, 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 no. Everyone in a part is a part of a local church. But we meet together and we pray together. And then we keep things open. And I thank God for that way of working. We are friends. We are friends. And I'm so thankful to God for you guys knowing that you are a part of an apostolic work. Means you are exposed to the Ephesian four gifts given by Christ himself. And my prayer is that you are not just listening to me because you can listen to me and you can mean a lot of things about me. But my prayer is that you can hear Christ through me. Sometimes we can get so used to each other that we only hear us. But you should hear Christ. And that's your, you need to make a decision. And that's my prayer for you and for me. Make a choice and trust God and hear God through, even if you know, if you know me, you could be together with me for a while and you would probably be disappointed. Oh, so it's not just, just super guy that do all these healings and miracles. No, no, you will find a guy that is a lot of, well, I'm not perfect by any way. But it's not about who I am. It's about understanding have an apostolic understanding of the gifts given to the church. It's the same with the gifts of the Spirit. They are also given to the church. It is tools given to you and me as a part of the church. Christ himself was moving in all his gifts and showing us how we should move in all the gifts. And in that book, Thank God is Monday, I was talking about the harvest language. Harvest because they have this longing of the eternity. When we came around, knowing that Christ in you and me is hope of glory. When people meet you and me, they start to send signals. And I will, not, you, I will, I will recommend you to read that book. I think it's still on Amazon. You can get it. Thank God is Monday. Read it and live it. Amen? Amen. So I will, uh, I will finish now. But, but as an evangelist, that is, first of all, the gifts belongs to the church. And, and I just want to pray for the Ephesians for giftings because we all have our battles. We are not here. My, every time I would travel, all, in all my traveling, I know God can do great things. But there is always this kind of... And we need to know that we are surrounded by prayer. Because we are just a brother. I'm a brother. I'm your brother. And you are my brother or my sister. But when we receive from God, you will find yourself being stirred. Maybe you're not being an evangelist, but you will be very evangelistic in your thinking. You will be very prophetic in your thinking. You will be an apostolic in your... And you broaden your... You see Christ more and more and more and more. Because that's the fruit of being a part of an apostolic work. It's always Christ in the center. Not me or, or us, but him. So, uh, amen. Just, I was in uh, Kujing in Malaysia. was in a big, big church. And I was going to, never been there before. And, and I was standing there and I was going to preach like this. And I saw this woman sitting right straight forward here in front of me. And suddenly I saw something crazy, like a football jumping out from her stomach, and it's running out with small legs and leaving the building. And I was thinking, why? Did I eat some mushrooms yesterday that was not good for me, or the bad pizza? And God said, no, 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 no. I just want to get your attention. But that was actually a cancer leaving her. 
And I said, can I ask you, do you have cancer in your stomach? Yes. No, you don't have. Can you go and then come, we should be there for a couple of days and go to the hospital and come back. And she come back a couple of days later with, with uh, some papers telling that no cancer at all, totally healed. And the next day, a lot of people came to the Lord because of that. And the next day, we was out in the Borneo jungle and baptizing people in the river. And the closest person to me was a monkey screaming in my ear. There was so much noise in the jungle. And people got baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled with the Spirit, and added the church. Because of this one healing in, given by the Holy Spirit. And I'm thinking in Saltport. What do you think would happen if two people were raised from a wheelchair, never been able to walk? What do you think would happen the coming Sunday morning meeting? I'm not saying that that is the only thing, but what I'm saying is you have to know the gifts, the Ephesians 4 giftings given to the church. We need to know the Holy Spirit in all his gifts and knowing, I mean, you, do, you only use tools you know you have. And you have gift, you have access to the gifts of the Spirit. And you more you ask the Holy Spirit to, to teach you how to use this gift, you more we will see the kingdom will be, be spread with words, with the uh, preaching of the word, but also with the signs that will follow us, the community church in Sopo, as we are following Christ. Continue the good work. And the grace of Jesus Christ. And the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you in your everyday life together as a church, as a body. Don't live on your own. Live for him and with brothers and sisters. Receive all the gifts in your heart. Take, listen to the words, the preaching and the teaching. Don't be disturbed by the personalities, but hear Christ. And hear Christ in each other. And ask the Holy Spirit to teach you how you can move in all the gifts. And every time we come together, we have something to bring. And every time we meet people, we have something to bring. Amen? Amen.